Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Louder Than Bombs is a stunningly intimate portrait of parents and children and the many things that can tear them apart and bring them together. Filmed three years after the death of famed photographer Isabel Reed, her husband and her sons and their younger brother are still trying to cope with their loss. This is a remarkable film. It's a narrative film. The director is uh, Joachim Trier, um, and he is kind of, he's also done such work as Reprise, as well as Oslo, August 31st. And uh, this film, uh, Louder Than Bombs, uh, was debuted at the Cannes Film Festival. We're so honored and, and thrilled to have him joining us today. Joaquin Trier, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Oh, great. Now, uh, tell me a little bit about this, this story, uh, where it came from. So it's always difficult for me to explain where th- these films we make come from because I write with Eskil Fucht, my co-writer on both Reprise and Oslo, August 31st, and when we wanted to do Louder... It, it wasn't like we had a story or a clear storyline or a pitch. We started with themes and ideas and characters and, and developed way too many much material mm-hmm. as usual. And then we started sort of sifting it down. And, and it turns out, you know, we, we were interested in the aftermath of grief. We were interested in love story between different generations of men, a, a teenager and a, a young adult and, and, and a father of two grown-up sons, you know, and... And so, so slowly it came about, and often later in the process, we really understand perhaps more about what it is. And it took us uh, three years to write this one. So, so it's uh, we better get smarter if you want to do more movies. We are very <laughs> slow, and we do it the wrong way around, it seems. But we're very happy about the film as it came out, though. Well, I want to say in the, the very opening shot of the film is the, the, uh, a newborn's hand wrapped around the finger of his father, played by Jesse Eisenberg. And it's a beautiful way, and one of the things I like about film so much and the artistry involved in it is that when you start to think about things, you think about the film, these things start to come back to you in ways, very much like a dream, very much like your film itself. Things reappear to you in ways, and you start reinterpreting them in different ways. Um, And so for me... That opening shot is about the generations that you're going to be talking about in this film and, and the way that we pass down, literally in this case, handing down a set of values, a set of circumstances and things about our lives that we pass on to our children. And that seems for me to be the essence of what Louder Than Bombs is about. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, no, I, th- I I completely support your statement. I think you have a good take on the movie, a good interpretation. It deals very much, as you say, with the need for children to be allowed to become autonomous, to become individuals that 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 separate themselves from the parents. And I think that's why we also ended up starting the film with that, you know, child the vulnerable baby, newborn, yeah. grasping the, 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 the almost as a reflex, the, the finger of a father. And I was particularly interested in the role of fatherhood and try to bring that forward as 
in a more modern way. You know, Freud supposedly said mothers are created to be left, or to, or you know, the child must leave the mother. And somehow, in this case, there is no mother. There is there is a story of two fathers: the older son who just become a father, and Gabriel born, Byrne, who's who's who has these two sons that he's sort of. He wants to let them go, yet he feels that they need him, and they do. And this ongoing process of how we have to reimagine or reposition ourselves and, and the negotiations that unconsciously happen in families as time moves on and people grow, I find that tremendously interesting. Um, and I try, we try to do a nuanced portrayal of that process of, of togetherness and separation in the modern family. Yeah. And I would even take it a little further. My interpretation of watching Louder Than Bombs is that in that sort of traditional role of the mother giving birth and part of the nurturing and raising of the family, in this case, Isabella Reed is, in fact, is very much in kind of a male role where she is in and out of the lives of their of her children in a way that Gabriel's character is not. He is... He's been, for all the circumstances, find himself one who is shouldering, shouldering most of the responsibility for the care and the upbringing of his, of his uh, sons. No, I think it's a good perspective. I, I guess I'm, I'm less interested in the discourse of gender as I am in right. how that gender reversal in this modern family right. exposes certain dynamics. As an example, the transferred anger that Gabriel gets pointed at him that might have been created by the absence of the other parent, in this case the mother, uh, and the difficulty that the mother in the family, played by Isabelle Huppert, is this admired war photographer who does this virtuous work where she's in the danger zones and conveying to the world these important stories and how difficult it becomes then to criticize her for her absence from the family somehow because she does such virtuous work. And that dynamic, I'm, I, I, I was very inspired by Death of a Salesman mm. uh, by Arthur Miller who has that, the, the mother is at home, the father does the necessary job of following the American dream of, of sort of becoming that important, you know, provider and the salesman with success and he is less successful perhaps than... than wanted to be and mm -hmm. I somehow feel that that time has moved on and these things are not necessarily just a gender thing anymore it's about an individual need yeah. um, I myself come from a family of, of, of very ambitious you know but my, my grandparents were all artists and my both my parents were working in the movies and um, regardless of gender the whole discourse of you know who stays at home when and the whole negotiation of of that um has has become has been a part of my life and i must say i i you know i, I don't mean to throw my parents under the bus here i think they did remarkably well but yeah. but yeah. it's an ongoing thing and you know there's also another aspect to this as a filmmaker i think a lot of people that work in movies they have long days and they they we hope to do important work that can mean something for someone else and a lot of filmmakers when they they're a bit older than me often make the story of a, the cop, for example, that is, has to find and solve a case so that he, his family suffers and the dichotomy of home life and work. And if you look at a wonderful film like Heat by Michael Mann, I think it's a wonderful example of, of a genre film that explores 
the family dynamic of ambition and, and the inability for men to stay home and, and, and create family. So I, I think in this case, there's an element of that type of, of, of coming home story that we often see with males, but in this case, it's just a, a, a mother. And I, I hopefully, hopefully that's, that's an original take on, on that theme. Yeah. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Joachim Trier, the director of the film Louder Than Bombs. The great cast, Gabriel Burns, Isabel Hooper, um, Jesse Eisenberg, Devin Druid, who's terrific um, as the youngest son, um, as well as Amy Ryan and David, and I always butcher his name, Strathairn. Strathairn, David Strathairn. Strathairn, I do that every time, and I apologize. Yeah, yeah, yeah. David (laughs) Strathairn, and it is a wonderful cast, and I I want to go back to the style of, of the storytelling, because this reminds me a lot of films. This reminds me some American dramas like The Ice Storm, like um, there's other films, and it's kind of the the negative space in, in the film, and I mean that from a cinematic perspective. The, the brush strokes, these, there's many scenes that, that are, are, they're brush strokes. They're, and, and over the course of watching Louder Than Bombs, you begin to see the portrait that you're, you're, that you're painting here. And I love that. I love that in a film that allows me, as a, as a viewer, to be able to, to... I feel like I'm participating in the film itself when, when I see this style of filmmaking. It really draws me in tremendously. Um, and I, I assume that was... Is that, a, again, is that a fair take on, 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 on what you were hoping to accomplish? I mean, I think we are going through a moment in film, film history where we are re-evaluating in a good way, I, yeah. I, I think, uh, the experience of movies. Yeah. Uh, the, and I mean the tactile, almost, and sorry for sounding a bit academic, but the phenomenological yeah. experience of being present. You see very clearly in, in a film like, you know, The Revenant, where you feel you're in the icy water, or, right. or you know, like the physical action of things have become reevaluated I think in modern American cinema particularly what what I guess I'm very curious about is the 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 experience of of mind and thinking yeah. of perception and therefore we've tried to explore um a form where we are allowed into the minds of the character in terms of their we have a case of a of, of little brother's diary it's sort of the chapter of the film or 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 someone's dream or someone's a memory that we see reevaluated in different perspectives as the film develops, um, and and to show thinking in cinema uh, as an experience, I think is very interesting. And when I talk about it like this, I I, I can understand if it sounds a bit sort of um, academic almost, no. but I think it's actually easy to watch films that have that ambition because we are so intuitive in how we interpret images now. Yeah. We do it faster than any other generation probably living in the world ever. Yeah. And, and so that gives us as filmmakers the opportunity to be quite ambitious and push the envelope a bit about how film form and how montage and and structuring of our stories can can be more ambitious these days almost than ever. I agree. I, I would re- uh, also liken this film to Tree of Life, uh, Terrence Malick's film. Um, but it, it's it's more linear than Tree of Life, but it's. Uh, I think you're right. I think what you're talking about is we have grown up watching film, and now we understand the language of film and the, in much more um, subtleties than we may have when in the 50s and the 60s. Everything was a lot more literal, and I think this ephemeral... I would even compare your film and filmmaking technique 
to Ingmar Bergman. I mean, this goes way back. There have been filmmakers who have been pushing us to understand the language of film as opposed to traditional storytelling for a long time. But I think we're now, as you said, a generation of people who have grown up understanding that in a very sort of um, viscerally we understand it, I think. Yeah, it was. and thank, no, thank you for bringing up Bergman, obviously a great big influence, as, as, as I'm also Scandinavian, and, and he, he he's Swedish and I'm Norwegian-Danish. So uh, I, I grew up with his films. They meant a lot to me. Um, and I think that, that there's a sort of a back and forth between Scandinavia and America. With You mentioned the ice storm. Uh, or if you look at Ordinary People or, or, right. or in the 70s, Kramer versus Kramer, those films are very influenced by Bergman, I think. The, 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 the nuanced character portrayals, the, the humans in their struggles and endeavors that have become a part of American cinema as well. And so these things are inspiring me, and perhaps Bergman inspired them, you know. And, yeah. and there's sort of a, there's a tradition of char- good character drama with the am- amazing tradition you have of, of Screen acting, yeah. you know, that's quite unique in the in the world. Um, so, so I, I'm really, I feel very, very fortunate to be allowed to be come do an American movie, you yeah. know. But we wanted to do it on the terms of of almost the sort of classical family drama that doesn't seem to be around so much any longer mm-hmm. because of the enormous commercial pressure on these sort of action comic book films that everyone that fills the cinema screens at the moment. Well, that's more why, uh, Eugene, that's why film school exists, is for this reason, for these kind of films, and I truly mean that. I, these are the kind of films oh. that I just absolutely am so honored to be able to, to spotlight because this is what filmmaking, this is what it is about, is storytelling and enlightening and bringing people into a, to a common place to understand our common shared experiences, and I think that this film does that very, very well. I want to well, talk you about. You know, you're very welcome. I want to talk about the acting because in the just couple minutes we've got left here, I, the acting is superb. Everyone in this film is very good. Um, so, tell me a little bit about the casting. What was going? What What happened along the way that uh, you were able to, to pull in these particular actors and why? So what we decided early on was we we're going to find financing structure where we were collaborating with financiers who wanted to make the type of film where we could cast the right people for the right roles rather than the most famous person to get the film made. So I, I was actually allowed to, 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 to get my dream cast, you know, to think, okay, Gabriel Byrne would be fantastic as a father. Jesse Eisenberg, that intelligence, that sense of humor would really bring something. Isabella Pear is great, but also young talents like Devin Druitt or, or Rachel Brosnahan. And yeah. even in, in, in some of the supporting cast, um, you know, Amy Ryan and, and Dave Strathairn are some of the best actors in the world. And since I didn't have to just think of, you know, oh, how can we get like an A-list most famous in the world actor in a small part to pimp up the budget, you know, no, right. we're the best actors, you know, that's what we went after. And I'm so grateful that they all said yes because you know it's it's not a big action pick that will you know make it to all the screens it's it's a film that that has a, a different type of audience but it, it lives only off the quality of performance because it's a character drama so i i don't know i i think this was a quite unique experience in my career for for, for sure to be allowed to work with uh, well, an ensemble like this. you did a fantastic job with them and just for people who may not know the name that I keep butchering, David Strathairn, pardon me. Strathairn, yeah. Strathairn. Yeah. Ah, one of these days, oh, I'll actually say it 
Go see, <laughs> see Good Night, Good Luck. I, I think that's one of the finest uh, jobs of acting in terms of a kind of a the way he was able to approach that role. He's a fantastic actor. Amy Ryan is wonderful. She was wonderful in Birdman. She's wonderful in this. It's a really good cast, and I, I, I can't strongly recommend this film enough for, for all, all these reasons. Uh, let's get to some film school stuff, though. Uh, you shot, what'd you shoot this on? 35. I shot this on film. I wanted the sort of upstate New York autumn leaves to be exposed in the same way as a lot of those 70s films that we all love. And, you know, I, 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 I felt that, you know, getting close to these faces, the richness of skin tones, just great on 35. And, and the close-ups are wonderful. I particularly like the Isabella Hubert uh, close-up. You did a really nice job framing her throughout the film. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and the, let's talk about your cinematographer. Let's, um, who was that? Jakob Ira, yeah, Swedish cinematographer in the, in the Sven Nyquist Bergman School of Lighting. You know, it's very, very yeah. sensitive to natural light and emulating that in all kinds of situations that we, we use. Uh, I've worked with Jakob since, I went to film school, so we have a long collaboration between us, and I'm very happy to see he just shot End of the Tour, where he also collaborated with Jesse, mm -hmm. and so they knew each other before we went into Louder Than Bombs, which was great, because it's such an intimate film, and I needed uh, the actors to open up to the, to the DP, to the cinematographer. It, and, it, and it works beautifully. And uh, finally, uh, congratulations again for the film, and... I think that's all I really have to say. Uh, joking. Fantastic. All right. Uh, I really. Go ahead. No, thank you very much. Thank you for the questions and, and your enthusiasm about the film. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. I look forward to more of your work. You've obviously already have a body of work with Reprise and with uh, Oslo, uh, August 31st, and now you can add this one to a, a beautiful canon of films. And uh, thank you so much. I hope you can find some time to come back and join us again here on Film School. I would love to. Thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.